All right, great to see everyone here. I want to get started quickly because I got a lot to say. No, I'm going to try to keep this quick because I have a fun activity for us. You'll notice there are some chairs lined up back there. We'll explain that in a second. You can turn to John chapter 13. We'll get there in a sec. It is great to see everyone. We are finishing this morning our series on being transformed. Amen. It's great to have Iris share about that. Thank you so much, Iris. I really appreciate your heart and vulnerability up here. Can we give it up for Iris? That was awesome. Awesome. Iris is amazing and always has been. And uh, it is great to have you uh, being able to help us so much here in this ministry. Uh, so we're doing this series, Transformed 100 Days to a New Life. And so we've been talking about that this summer since uh, the end of May. This is day 99. It doesn't line up. 100 is not quite divisible by 7. So this is day 99. Uh, tomorrow is day 100. So you can finish up your, your transformation tomorrow, and you'll just be like Jesus tomorrow night, I guess. You have until Tuesday morning, right? You, you're, you had 100 days. I mean, come on. You got one day left. All right. Um, but uh, I hope that this has been a helpful series for you this summer. We've been talking about God's desire to transform us, right, to change us from the inside out and, and how there are uh, two ingredients to spiritual transformation. We talked about giving our hearts and then also how God provides his Holy Spirit. And um, we've looked at some great scriptures about how God changes us. The theme scripture that we used was Romans 12 and verse 2. Iris read it this already, but I'll read it again. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, um, you know, we started in June talking about how transformation happens in community. And we studied out Romans 12 and the rest of that chapter and the way that we see our gifts and each other. We looked at Ephesians 4, talking about when Alex Whitaker came and, and guest preached for us and talking about really how a transformed community is, is characterized by humility and gentleness and patience with each other and with our differences and understanding, not the way that the world uh, is in community. Um, in July, we took a deep dive into the Holy Spirit and we studied out Romans chapter 8, and we walked all the way through that chapter, talking about how, walking with the Spirit, having the mindset of the Spirit, how the, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and then also how the Spirit gives us victory in Christ. In August, we talked about the heart, the heart of compassion for the lost, the heart of seeking what is above, the heart last week we talked about of abiding in Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to close out the series, and I want to just talk about the goal Right. What is the goal of spiritual transformation? And I'll just, I'll just give you the answer. The goal of spiritual transformation is to become like Christ. What is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, in uh, Stephen Covey's classic book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, habit number two is this, begin with the end in mind. And when we think about achieving anything, accomplishing anything in our lives, we should be thinking, what is the outcome we're trying to accomplish? And in this case, in the case of spiritual transformation, the outcome that we're looking for is not better marriages. It's not being better parents. It's not being a better coworker. It's not even having kind of a better emotional inner life. Those things will come. But the goal that we're trying to achieve is to be like Christ. And if we seek that, 
we know that the other things will fall into place. You can just write this down, but in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, Paul says this. He says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Paul says that we are being transformed day by day. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. If we let God do that work in our hearts. And so the, the kind of the, the work that we have is, is to just continuing to, to look at Jesus, to, as Steve talked about last week, to abide in Jesus, to contemplate Jesus, to focus on Jesus, and then to look at our lives and, and, and try to help our lives to align better with the life that we see in Christ. And I want to talk about just one aspect of Jesus's life that we can focus on this morning, about aligning ourselves with Christ as we talk about this goal of spiritual transformation. And so the title of the message today is Transformed for sacrificial love. Transformed for sacrificial love. And I, I picked this, this quality because I believe this really trans, uh, sacrificial love, it represents the clearest picture, I think, of the transformed life. This is the, the single clearest way to summarize Jesus's ministry. Jesus himself claimed that this quality would be the true indicator of his authentic followers. And throughout history, it's really, this has been the quality that has most distinguished Jesus's followers from the world around them. When the church has done it, has been its best, it has done this well. When the church has been its worst, it has done this most poorly. It's a simple topic. It's easy to understand. And everyone in the world around you will agree that it's a good idea. And yet, it's so hard to live out, isn't it? Sacrificial love. Transformed for sacrificial love. Okay, you guys in John 13? I gave you the warning up front. So hopefully you had a minute to get there. I know I've been talking. John 13 and verse 1. Let's look at this. We'll see Jesus' example of sacrificial love. John says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, this is right at the end of Jesus' ministry, at the end of his life. And John says that Jesus' followers had seen his love. They'd seen him cross social boundaries to give new life to those that others disdained. A Samaritan woman, an adulteress, notorious sinners. They'd seen him heal the sick and the undeserving, blind men, poor beggars, but also the children of the wealthy and the powerful. They'd seen him welcome children and preach against injustice. They'd seen him reach into each of their lives and to bring love and to call them to a life that they never thought possible. And now, as Jesus knew the end was coming, John says Jesus kind of sums up his ministry here in a last act of devotion before going to the cross. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, in Jesus' culture, this was the task of a slave. 
The feet were dirty. They were considered shameful. And, you know, in many parts of the world today, this is still true, that if you show the bottoms of your feet to someone, it's considered an insult. And here Jesus was, the king of kings, their leader, their lord, removing their, his outer clothing, taking on the, the, the appearance and then the position of a slave, getting on his knees and washing their feet. Verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 6, says he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And I mean, this is kind of understandable. If, if the CEO of your company came in on, to work on, I mean, maybe you're going to work on Monday, maybe you're going to work on Tuesday. The ne- maybe it's on Tuesday, the CEO comes in and says, come here, I want to wash your feet. You'd say, first of all, no. <laughs> like, this is like an HR thing, I think. Uh, we need to report this. It's a different culture. But also, it would be bizarre because you think you're the boss. I mean, I don't feel comfortable washing your feet either, really. But, but the positions feel, feel wrong here. And this is what Peter is responding to. It says, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So here's the one point for today. You want to be transformed to take on the sacrificial love of Jesus wash their feet wash their feet look at the world around you look at your family look at the friends around you and wash their feet you know the power of that act of service that jesus performed isn't just the act itself but it's in the way that it summarized who jesus was throughout his life you know if you read the gospels you see again and again that Jesus refuses to use his his position and his authority to his own advantage. He was a king, but born into a stable in a poor family. He was a ruler, but he served the poorest and the most vulnerable. He deserved the praise of the nations, but he took on their scorn as he loved their most broken members again and again. Paul says in, in Philippians 2, he says that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so his disciples here are, in one sense, kind of shocked by this graphic portrayal of service. But in another sense, they've seen it again and again, because Jesus really shined in the world in sacrificial love. He took off his authority. He took off his comfort. He took off his pride. And he went to the shameful and the ugly places of the world and tenderly 
lovingly wrought healing. Jesus washed their feet. And Jesus expected that it wouldn't stop with him. Look at what he says after he washes his disciples' feet in verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, for rightly so, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus expected that his followers wouldn't just admire his example. He expected that they would imitate it. But Jesus, just as Jesus set aside his position, so should we. Just as he set aside the authority he could claim, so would we. Just as he got on his knees and reached into the dirty parts of the world, so would we. And the early church understood this. You know, the, our brothers and sisters, these are people just like you and me. They gladly sold their possessions. They gave up their positions, even their own lives, to serve each other and the world around them. The Roman world left unwanted babies in the trash heap to die. Christians took them in. Roman leaders would abandon their towns when the plague came. Christians stayed and cared for the sick. Christians sold themselves into slavery so that others would be released. They cared for the hurting. They fed the hungry. They gave up their lives for each other and for the world. This isn't just a, a kind of a, a matter of scriptural interpretation. This is history. You look at the history books and you see the church doing this again and again and again. They lived lives transformed for sacrificial love. But why do they do this? Yes, on one hand, they did this out of obedience to Jesus, but not only out of obedience. I believe the church understood one fundamental principle that changed the way that they thought about this. And this is verse 14. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. They had not just seen Jesus' example of service, they had seen what he did for them. They had seen that he had not just served the world, he had also served them. You know, we live out sacrificial love. We're transformed for sacrificial love, not in order to put another credential in our spiritual resume, but because it would be unthinkable not to serve when we understand what God has done for us. So this morning, I want to give us an opportunity to live this out. You know what's coming. So I would say one, one, one challenge here is that when you think about actually washing feet, but, you know, literally, but also figuratively, the challenge isn't just to get on your knees and do the washing. The challenge is to also be vulnerable enough to let someone wash your feet. It's almost harder. It's almost more difficult to be vulnerable enough to let someone serve you. And we think about it and it's kind of a silly way and like exposing your feet, you know? But it's actually exposing the parts of our lives that aren't all put together. Exposing the parts of our lives that are ugly, that need help, where we don't have it all together, where we are a mess. And we can present like we have it all together. We all look nice. But there are parts of each one of our lives where things are falling apart. And that's okay. That's being human. 
but we live in a community where we can love each other and serve each other and set this example for each other and then go out and do the same thing for the world. It's one thing to come to the world and act like, hey, yes, we have it all together. You know, I don't need anything. And, and therefore I can just come and give. I can come from on high and present myself to you. But that's not the way that Jesus came. Jesus came in vulnerability. He came as a baby who needed help. And Jesus asked for help again and again from his followers. We can do the same to be vulnerable enough to have our feet washed, but also to wash one another's feet. So we've set up some chairs in the back. We have washcloths. We have pitchers of water. And I want to challenge you. Wash someone's feet. Have your feet washed. Be like Jesus in this way. It might be a little uncomfortable, but push yourself to be vulnerable and wash their feet. Amen. Yeah, let's do it. Come on, everybody stand up. Stand up. Stand up. So we'll take, about, we'll take about, I don't know, five minutes or something like this to do this. Come on, you guys, stand up. Even if you're not going to wash feet, just stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. All right. So we have a bunch of stations up there. So you can feel free to, uh, even if you can't do it, you can just come forward and watch for a sec, okay? We can just watch. And then, and then I'll call us back together and we'll close out.
Check, check. All right, we're going to uh, bring it back in here. You guys, you don't have to really go back to your seats, but just listen up real quick. So I do just want to, th first of all, thank you, everyone, for being willing to participate in that. Now, I know it's a little, feels a little, what? Scary, weird. But I would just, I would just encourage you. You can just wait one second. I would encourage you to see all of your service in this way, right? Which is both that it takes getting vulnerable. It takes getting into the parts of your life that are not pretty, right? No one brags about how pretty their feet are. But this is what sacrificial love looks like. It's, it's getting in there with each other, but also with the world around us. So let's be transformed for sacrificial love. Let's go to the world and wash their feet. Amen.